Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your engine! For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 11.03 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, and welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always, and man, what a day we've got. we got lots of racing on tap. We've got NASCAR in Bristol. We've got IndyCar in Alabama. We've got the 4Y Nationals in Vegas. We've got the Icebreaker at Thompson for the NASCAR Modifieds, and uh, lots of racing. we got WrestleMania today. It's National Beer Day. I mean, if there was a day created for me, today is it, ladies and gentlemen. I am uh, fired up, ready to go here this morning to talk to you about all things motorsports. Phone lines are open at 803-0551-888-550-2550. We're also up on Twitter at FastTrack550 and uh, Facebook.com slash WGRFastTrack. Coming up on today's show in about 10 minutes or so. Adam Stern from Sports Business Journal will be joining us here on the program. Talk some uh, business side of NASCAR. Uh, as again, talked with the schedule changes last week and the big changes coming to the sport over the next couple of years. Just want to get Adam's uh, take on the market uh, business wise, uh, sponsorship and everything for NASCAR and what the future may hold for the sport. So that's coming up at quarter past the hour. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, our second segment this weekend, and you still have time to check this out, uh, up at the Outlet Mall in Niagara Falls, it is the annual Ransomville Speedway Car Show. Lots of great race cars on display. Uh, that is going on today. If, you wanna, if you're looking for something to do, to head over to the Outlet Mall and see the race cars. But I was there last night, and uh, some of the drivers were hanging around, talked to a couple of them, and you'll hear from uh, Ransomville Sportsman Driver Dave DiPietro and Ransomville Modified Driver Jesse Cotteris. We'll be uh, hearing from them in the middle segment of our show. Talked to them last night, recorded a couple interviews, so you'll hear from them as they get ready to attack the track here in just a... Well, actually, some of them might be on track next weekend at the Merrittville Speedway for their practice session, but uh, Ransomville season kicks off in about three weeks. But uh, it's been a long week uh, I, I, for me. Well, you know what? Hey, I've been unemployed for seven months, so every week's been a long week for a long time. Uh, so, A, don't say don't tell me to quit my day job because I don't got one, and uh, B, somebody hire me. Uh, but it was a long, painful week. I, I Just following this sport on social media, I mean, ugh. It was just every day. I just you go onto Twitter and you just do rub your forehead and just say why, why, why. Uh, early this week, uh, Jenna Fryer put out a column, a column which is meant to have opinions in it. By the way, because some people have forgotten the difference between columns and news stories. Uh, columns are meant to have opinions, and Jenna Fryer is paid to give her opinions for the Associated Press. She covers motorsports. She's done it for a long time. She put out a column. Uh, talk about Daryl Waltrip, and uh, we after this column, and there had been reports leading up to this that Daryl's going to be retiring from the TV booth at Fox Sports. 
uh, following this year. So it wasn't a, a big secret that this was coming. In fact, we got the official announcement this weekend at Bristol already. Uh, he He's retiring. And, and basically, Jenna's column the, the, was that you know, good. DW needs to retire and Fox Sports needs to make changes to their cup broadcast and, you know, really just poked at Daryl that his time in the booth maybe should come to an end. He's been doing this for 19 years and much like his driving career may have gone on a few years too long and that the kind of hoaxy, corny uh, back and forth between he and Mike Joy every week and the boogity, boogity, boogie and everything that goes along with it, you know, it's grown tired and stale and there needs to be changes, especially when you've got Jeff Gordon up there trying to deal with Daryl and them two talking on each other and, you know, Daryl makes a point and then Jeff quickly has to correct him because Jeff actually is a little more aware of what's going on or has been more recently behind the wheel so he has a better idea of what might be going on inside the, the cars during a race broadcast. And also when they do Xfinity broadcasts with guys like Brad Keselowski or Kevin Harvick or Clint Boyer, uh, that it's a much greater broadcast versus, you know, listening to DW, say, trying to talk uh, throughout the, sh- the the race broadcast. So, you know, ba- basically she outlined which a bunch of opinions that pe- other people have said before, and I totally agree with. And again, it was a column. It was meant to have opinions. But she just kind of outlined, you know, how, why Fox needs to, you know, fully move away from DW and continue to bring these other personalities into the broadcast booth and allow Jeff Gordon to fully get into the role as the driver analyst. And instead of having two driver analysts with Mike Joy, um, you know, just let Jeff do his thing and, and Daryl needs to step aside. She even went so far as to say that maybe Mike Joy should also, you know, be stepping away. Now, I'm, I, that may be one point there. I disagree with her. Um, I do like Mike Joy. I think he still does a phenomenal job and, you know, maybe a soft spot for Mike since he's a Northeast guy and a modified guy. But, uh, you know, I don't mind Mike being up there, and, but I would love, you know, just Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon on Sundays. I tweeted out, I don't know, like a month ago, I'd pay for a feed of the race with DW muted and that got a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, positive response. So Jenna puts out this column and immediately, and, and it, actually I wanted to talk about this this morning for two reasons. A, just because it, made for a long week for me, but B, there's been a lot of talk about the media and negativity and coverage, especially here in Buffalo. We had Jack Eichel's comments the other night uh, following the the home finale. You know, he talked about how ne- negative and critical the media could be here. And then there was that quote from Robin Lehner a couple of weeks ago when he came back to town with the Islanders about how tough the media can be here. And that happens all the time in other sports and stick and ball sports. And probably because it you know you're these guys just cover one team and they're not talking about the whole sport in general at least not all the time. Um, where in NASCAR it's a totally different thing. Almost no one in the the media people that cover this sport and are on you know on the beat traveling week to week with the sport like sports writers in a town like Buffalo do. It's almost never negative. I mean the coverage is is majority of the time is positive. There's a few guys that will give their opinions, um, you know, that are free, or feel free to maybe give some criticism, but really it's the majority of it is positive. And we saw this after Jenna's column came out because it just rained down hard on her from both just fans on social media. And they were of course brutal because it's Twitter and, uh, you know, I think her being female had something to do with it on top of her being a reporter, a, a journalist. But also the the blowback from the from people in the industry, uh, 
Dave Moody, uh, Kenny Wallace, Ray Everham, all these people just came out and they defended DW like she, you know, did you know hurt his honor by by saying he needed to retire when lots of other people have been saying it for for weeks and weeks and for years even. You know, I I've been uh, I. I like DW when he started with Fox in 2001. I even liked Boogity Boogity Boogie for a while, but it grew stale. And, you know, but maybe for the first 10 years, I was okay with it. Maybe these last nine years, you know, I, I, I've not been a fan either. I, I was glad when Jeff Gordon came in. I wish they would have went with, you know, Mike, Jeff, and Larry, Larry McReynolds in the booth instead of moving Larry Mack out of the booth. So I've not been a fan either. But I couldn't believe just how much uh, people turned against Jenna after this column came out. And, you know, Je- Je- Jenna's, uh, you know, she's, I like I said, I respect her as a journalist, someone who's covered the sport for a long time. But also, I, it's, I feel at times in the past, it seems like she gets too chummy with certain personalities, especially someone like a Danica Patrick or a Tony Stewart, just... Um, just from my gathering of her comments on programs and on Twitter, that it feel I feel like she's gotten too chummy with certain people in the sport. So I, you know, I'm not saying she's innocent, but again, this was a column. She was supposed to give her opinions, and uh, I people like were upset that somehow this that she was besmirching DW and. Uh, saying all these horrible things. And when you read it, she really didn't say anything bad personally about DW. She criticized his, his, his what he says on TV a little bit, but he didn't say he was a bad person. And, you know, she realizes what a strong, what a legend he is in the sport. You know, all of his on-track accolades, his 84 wins, his three, four series championships, his Daytona 500 win 1989. He is a great driver. He is a Hall of Famer. He is a huge personality in the sport. He is a legend. But also... After 19 years of doing this job, uh, the act has grown stale, and with declining declining TV ratings, he needs to go. So I could not believe the blowback. Actually, I could believe it uh, because the the NASCAR media is so insulated, and there are so many uh, people, media people, um, that cover this sport that pretty much are cheerleaders for the sport, and being critical of NASCAR uh, draw, draws so much blowback. Uh, for some reason, any other sport, it's not like that. You know, uh, people on this station, people that write for the newspaper here in town, you know, the, what they say about the Bills and the Sabres, um, you know, they're still, excuse me, they, 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 they're still allowed to, you know, cover the games and they still get the play interviews uh, when they request them. But really, if, if you, uh, if you, talk bad about NASCAR you're you can you're in danger of getting shut out of the sport as a media member and uh it, it's it's no other sport it, that I'm aware of um is like that it, it's pretty amazing and I just I generally felt bad for what Jenna uh got from certain people in the, in the industry I, I I get it from the fans and people on social media you know because they can you know there there's no filter on Twitter and they can say all these horrible things and get away with it but I just could not believe all the the media types and the drivers, I mean, even Clint Boyer, um, that, you know, somehow had to come to the aid of Daryl Waltrip and defend his honor for what she said. And it was no different than anything had uh, other people said in the past. And on top of that, I think if someone else in the sport had maybe written the exact same column, the uh, the response would not have been as so strong as what Jenna got. But I think, again... And some people can disagree with me on this, but I think the fact that she's a woman that has something to do with it and, uh, you know, the the kind of the 
the cloud that that is in this country about people in the media in general, I think, uh, you know, clouded the views on on how people respond to this on top of that. So put all that together. And uh, I just thought it was really unfair how Jenna was treated for just doing her job and putting out a column uh, with her opinions because that's that's what she's supposed to do. And again, I think a lot of this goes back to the fact that people have a hard time recognizing news coverage from an opinion piece and I, it, it now in the media too and i think a lot of the uh discourse in this country about the media it has a lot to do with the fact that people you know you can disagree with someone's opinion yes but let them print that opinion that's their job and also if they're also presenting you with facts that you don't like uh that's too bad because you're entitled to your own set of opinions but you can't be entitled to your own set of facts as uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan once said, and as a friend of mine recently brought that quote to my attention uh, just a couple of months ago, um, you know, facts are facts, but also you, you, just because you don't like the facts doesn't make it bad news coverage. And also you need to understand the difference between opinion and news coverage. And that's what this piece by Jenna was. It was an opinion piece. She wasn't reporting on anything. And in fact, after the press conference that they had for Daryl Waltrip at Bristol, she put out a news report covering the news conference of Daryl announcing his retirement. Everybody thought she was like backpedaling uh, her statements from earlier, and she wasn't. She was just reporting on the facts of the news cover, the news conference there in Bristol that Daryl was announcing his retirement. So, again, as someone <clears throat> that cares greatly about the press and good good news coverage in this country, it just for me made for a really uh, long week and a, a lot of head scratching, but I just wanted to get that off my chest this morning. Right now, let's go, though, to the Wester Hotline and bring in from Sports Business Journal, Adam Stern joins us on the line. Adam covers motorsports business uh, for that outlet. Adam, is Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Dave. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, I'm not sure how much you heard there of my, uh, my, my tirade there, but uh, what did you think this week about the uh, controversy, I guess, lack of a better word, controversy of uh, Jenna Fryer's column about DW and the response that came out of it? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, largely on our end, I mean, we just knew that this move was coming. You know, we had reported, uh, you know, last week that he was he was considering it. Um, and so, you know, I think it was a situation where obviously, uh, you know, we had heard it. I, I'm, I'm sure she had heard it as well. So, I mean, you never know, uh, you know, unless you can 100% confirm it. So, you know, we were a little bit guarded. We, you know, we more so put that he was considering it. But, you know, I think a lot of people in the industry knew that, that this was probably coming. Um, you know, obviously DW has had a really amazing run, you know, to, to the last 19 years in the booth. I mean, you look at a guy like Jason Whitten, you know, literally one and done. I mean, mm. you know, not everyone can last, you know, 19 years. So I think he's had, the, obviously, an incredible run in a different sport than football. Obviously, we're talking racing here. But, um yeah, I think, you know, the, the kind of controversy you referenced um, was, was certainly interesting to see and certainly, you know, brought out a lot of opinions on, on kind of both sides, I guess you could say. Um, you know, I think it was just a situation where it, it's kind of clear just to anyone who knows the sport. I mean, you know, DW is a legend of the sport. At the same time, you know, he, his time as being in the booth had probably about come to an end to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, people felt like it was time to move on and give someone else a, a new try. And at the same time, um, you know, I think Jenna kind of summed that up uh, in, a, in a column, and I think it was probably a fair take. But obviously some people felt like maybe it wasn't the right time to do it or maybe it was just a little bit, you know, too bluntly put or, or what have you. So, uh, you know, it was certainly an interesting debate, and, and these things happen, obviously, as we see in sports, you know, particularly in the day and age of social media. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of passion, a lot of opinion you saw come out. And, 
Yeah, I think maybe, you know, it got a little bit unfortunate at times as far as, you know, people becoming mean about it or, yeah. or things like that. Right. But, uh, you know, it's just, just kind of a product of, of our society with sports right now. Yeah, and again, just kind of wrap up my thoughts where you brought Adam in. I don't mind people disagreeing with her opinion, but I thought the, some of the vitriol and the blowback was a little little too strong against Jenna, and I just thought people were, were piling on at some point this week. Uh, Adam, last uh, one more media question here. What what do you think the, the future of, of the Fox booth looks like uh, maybe going forward? Uh, I've, you know, we've heard some names. Met, you know, Kevin Harvick, they kind of had to put out a fire saying, you know, Kevin wasn't going to retire after this year, and he's not, you know, not going to TV next year. What do you think the future of the Fox booth is going to look like for their cup broadcast? Because we're seeing a lot of drivers like Kevin, like, Clint Blair, like Brett Keselowski, Austin Dillon, guys maybe trying out what it'll be like to be a broadcaster after their driving career. Jeff Gordon, I think, does a great job already. What do you think of the future that booth is going to look like? Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. You know, first and foremost, I can note that, you know, I don't have it figured out yet as far as their actual moves. So, I mean, pretty much at this point, I'm just going to be going off of, you know, trying to speculate based on what I think could happen. Um, and, and certainly we're going to be trying to figure that out over the coming weeks and months. My understanding is that they, you know, I would think if you if you got a private conversation with Fox Sports CEO Eric Shanks, would he have a short list? I'm sure he would. But mm-hmm. my understanding is that, you know, the final move has not been made yet. Sure. Um, you know, I think obviously they've got a couple of drivers that, that they've hired recently. When you talk about Jamie McMurray, Ricky Craven, mm-hmm. Regan Smith, you know, those are guys who are already on their roster who are potentially could be a stopgap until, you know, a guy like Kevin Harvick retires. I don't think, you know, I, I, I certainly some of the rumors I've been throwing out there about, you know, could he possibly go to the booth next year? I mean, I've heard them, but I don't think anyone, you know, really close to that situation ever felt like it was realistic that Kevin Harvick was going to retire after this year. I mean, he's just nowhere near retirement. Yeah. I mean, could, could he be a year or two? Maybe, sure. I mean, I definitely could see within, you know, 2020, 2021, but he's just running too well right now. I mean, mm-hmm. outside of Kyle Busch, he's arguably the most, you know, dominant driver in the sport. Hasn't been hasn't won this year yet, but he's still running up front. He's a great driver. So yep. he just doesn't seem like someone who's ready to retire yet to me. So I think, you know, you, Fox could be looking at a stopgap situation where they have to, you know, either do a two-man booth, which I, I feel like is less likely, but, you know, maybe that's one option, or just bring in a guy that they already have, like a Regan Smith, uh, Jamie McMurray, or Ricky Craven for mm-hmm. a couple of years until a guy like Kevin Harvick retires. Because I do think Kevin Harvick has some long-term p- potential there. He's clearly, you know, worked in a way to set up a great situation with Fox where he's doing so many guests opportunities that he clearly sees this as a future for him but mm-hmm. I, I just don't see him retire right now after 2019 so i do think they could be looking at a potential couple year stopgap until he retires adam stern from sports business journal joining us here in the program adam you mentioned the years 2020 and 2021 and i talked a bit about this last week with the 2020 cup schedule and in one of my overarching themes of this year is this is this season here in NASCAR 2019 is kind of an end end of an era or the beginning of an end of an era and really the the sport could look a whole lot different here in the coming years and I uh, wanted to talk to you about that first off on the schedule uh, obviously NASCAR in these five-year agreements with these tracks so next year while there is some changes on the schedule they couldn't you know add or remove tracks or add or remove races from certain tracks but uh, what are your thoughts about the 2020, excuse me, 2020 schedule, and what do you think might happen in 2021 and beyond? Yeah, I think clearly, you know, you nailed it. They, you know, they had these kind of five. They, they used to before 2016. They did year to year agreements with the tracks, mm-hmm. and at, and I remember in 2015 when they finally signed this uh, five year deal, they were kind of 
dubbing it as like revolutionary. Like it was really going to help them out. It was going to save all this time. That was kind of a mere form- formality anyway on a lot of the renewals, things like that. Um, and, and it kind of ended up biting them in the butt a little bit because, you know, I think it became clear towards the end of this kind of five-year period that they really want to change things up. And so to your point, they were kind of, you know, they had one arm, you know, time behind their back, I think, with next year's schedule, 2020, because they couldn't really add or subtract tracks. They could just shuffle them. And I think in terms of, you know, being limited in what they can do, it seemed like they did a pretty decent job. I mean, you talk about some moves like, at, you know, finally getting a night race in Martinsville. I mean, I think that's one that fans have legitimately been asking for. Hopefully they'll, you know, put their money where their mouth is because that's something that, you know, you've seen fans talk about for years. So I think some of the moves are interesting. Um, you know, obviously ISM, you know, near Phoenix, ISM Raceway game, the finale is interesting. I think the most interesting thing about that is the potential for them to start rotating it. Yeah, I'm not looking for them to stay there more than a couple, you know, two, three years and, and potentially as little as one. They're only locked in for 2020 on that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think they started to lay the groundwork for some more major changes in 2021. Um, you know, we you know we started to hear some rumblings here and there about what tracks could be taken off the schedule and, and maybe going down to 34 races or 30 races, um, things like that. But it, it, nothing seems to be locked in stone yet, at least as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I haven't really heard who they would add. I mean, you know, you hear things like, you know, could they possibly go to Coda or could they somehow do a street race in the future? So there's lots of options that are kind of exotic that have been thrown out there that I haven't really been able to confirm yet. But I do think if you were to, you know, get Steve Phelps, the NASCAR president, you know, to, if you were actually in his room, you'd probably <laughs> see, you know, a, a little bit of the schedule 2021. I do think they've already started to put it together, but they still got a ways to go there. Obviously Nashville is a name that, you know, people wanted to see, but as we saw this week with the report of the Tennessee and there's a lot of issues there. So nothing seems to be confirmed yet. Best I can tell there's certainly, you know, rumblings going around about, Hey, could this track drop off? You know, things like that. So um, it's definitely a huge topic to see what they do for 2021. And it seems like they did as decent a job as possible with 2020. But, you know, at the same time, it's good because it gives them time to really set up, set up all these major moves. But, yeah. boy, you know, 2021 is still a good ways away. Adam, last thing before we let you go, um, you had a tweet about this this week. Monster Energy and, and their future with the sport. You know, it's uh, this is their last year of, of their title sponsorship of the Cup Series. Uh, what is what are we going to call the Cup Series in 2020 and beyond, Adam? What is that that uh, series sponsorship program going to look like? What do you think here in the years years ahead? Yeah, I think it's going to be called the NASCAR Cup Series. I mean, I just think that's it's just going to be called the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, you know, they had thrown out some stuff about you know Premier Series and things like that mm-hmm. when they were changing um, from sprints, but I think they ultimately heard the fans loud and clear on that one. That fans love the name Cup, kind of turned into a little brouhaha when that news came out that they were looking at just going to like the premier series. So mm-hmm. I think it's just gonna be called the NASCAR cup series. Uh, they're going to move to a model that's very similar to the NCAA. If you've been watching March madness, where, you know, there is no title sponsor associated with the NCAA. It's not the McDonald's NCAA. It's not the McDonald's March madness, yeah. but they have some very integrated major sponsors. Like as we've seen with Coca-Cola and AT&T, you know, AT&T has that whole fill thing going on where they brought in this like fake broadcaster that's doing advertising. Obviously, Coca-Cola has been advertising their uh, new orange vanilla Coke a lot during these March. So if you've been watching the March Madness games, you kind of get an idea of, hey, look, there's no title sponsor. There's no brand that's name is on the title, but there's still brands doing a lot of advertising. And so NASCAR is going to go to a similar model. You could look at F1 and say the same thing. F1 doesn't have a title sponsor, but they have some you know five to seven prime partners who get a lot of 
you know, the, the best assets. So uh, NASCAR is going to go to a three-tier uh, model. Uh, to your point, uh, Monster obviously will not be the title sponsor, but they're still in talks to possibly uh, take on one of the tiers. I'm hearing more so like a second-tier slot for them, so mm-hmm. I don't currently expect them to take a top-tier slot. Uh, they're see- NASCAR seeking about four to six of those, around $20 million each, but they'll probably end up getting a little bit less than that, more like $12 million, uh, to $15 million, I think. So definitely something to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, certainly an interesting topic. Uh, a huge shift that's kind of going on be- beneath our eyes right now. It hasn't really been announced yet beyond just the fact that they're going to go to this model. They haven't really revealed the details. So that's a big thing to watch out for the rest of the year. Very good. Adam Stern, Sports Business Journal. If you want to stay on top of moves in the sport and, and you don't have time to follow it yourself, you just want a Twitter feed, follow Adam, A underscore S12. He add, Whenever there's breaking news, Adam seems to be on top of it, whether he's breaking it or he's just bringing it to our attention. I think you do a great job of that on Twitter. Uh, appreciate your insights, sir. Good to talk to you as always. Hopefully we can do it again real soon. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. It was a pleasure. All right, Adam Stern, Sports Business Journal. Again, A underscore S12 on Twitter. Uh, just a, a good follow. If you if you just need Twitter for, for NASC, breaking NASCAR updates with news, uh, he's a good one to follow. Appreciate his time. When we get back, we're going to uh, catch up with a couple drivers here locally. Uh, Dave DiPietro, Jesse Cotters from the Ranceville Speedway. Caught up with them last night at the uh, Outlet Mall up in Niagara Falls during the Ranceville Speedway Car Show. You're going to hear from them next here on WGR. Hey, this is Chase Elliott, driver of the number 9 Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. 11.32 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track. Chase Elliott on the pole for today's race at Bristol, the Food City 500. And a second week, I think it's at least the second week in a row, uh, definitely second week in a row, maybe more. But uh, again, Hendrick Motorsports sweeping the front row. They did last week at Texas. Uh, this week, it's Chase Elliott and William Byron, uh, second time he's qualified outside pole. Ryan Blaney and Eric Jones in row two. Then it is Denny Hamlin and Eric Almarola, Joey Logano, Clint Boyer, Paul Menard, and Jimmy Johnson rounding out your top 10 starters for today's race. Ryan Newman, nice qualifying effort for him in 11th. Brad Keselowski, 12th. Kevin Harvick qualifying 13th. Kyle Larson, 16th. Kyle Busch coming from the middle of the field today. He will start 17th today. Didn't run the uh, Xfinity Series race yesterday, so he can't go for a weekend sweep this weekend. Uh, Daniel Suarez in 20th. Martin Truex, 23rd. Kurt Busch back there in uh, 27th. Ryan Priest back in 30th for uh, today's starting field at Bristol. The race is going to go at 2 o'clock. They've uh, had some rain this morning, but I don't think it's going to be a threat later today. Either way, NASCAR kind of pushed up the schedule a little bit and a green flag right at 2 o'clock today. So for those of you that maybe don't turn it on until... The, the about to, they're about to go green like I do and skip all the pre-race shenanigans. Uh, 2 o'clock, I guess, is green flag time today at Bristol for the Food City 500. IndyCar is at uh, Barber Motorsports Park down in Alabama, and it is a all-Rayhall uh, uh, Le- Letterman-Lanigan racing front row. It's Takuma Sato and Graham Rahal around the front row for today's race. Scott Dixon starts third, James Hinchcliffe in fourth. Sebastian Bourdais, Spencer Piggott in row three. Will Power, Alexander Rossi in row four. And then you've got the rookies, Colton Herta, who's the most recent winner in the IndyCar Series, the huge win at Coda a couple of weeks ago. He starts ninth today alongside Santino Ferrucci uh, for today's race for IndyCar. You've also got uh, Ryan Hunter Rain 11th, Marco Andretti 13th, Simon Pagano 14th, Joseph Newgarden back in 16th, Tony Kanaan 19th. Uh, that's kind of the no- notable names in the field for today's IndyCar race at Barber. Uh, that is at 4 o'clock this afternoon, and that's over on NBCSN. And then NHRA is in Las Vegas, the first four-wide Nash- uh, four race of the year, first of two. 
and actually got some uh, re- uh, highlights from qualifying on here in the studio. And uh, that's coming up uh, on Fox Sports 1 at 5.30 today. So that'll probably be right after the NASCAR race because NASCAR is on FS1 too. So really won't need to change the channel there, I guess. And looking at the top qualifiers there, we've got Tim Wilkerson in Funny Car, Mike Salinas in Top Fuel, Bo Butner has got a couple of wins this year in Pro Stock, Matt Smith in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Uh, for the four wides today in Vegas. So lots of racing uh, on top of, if you're watching WrestleMania, a, a busy day of just you know watching TV. Uh, and also uh, the NASCAR Modifieds. We'll get to that, though, in a little bit. Uh, as I said, uh, last night was at the uh, Outlet Mall in Niagara Falls because it's the Ranceville Speedway Car Show, which continues today. If you want to go, head over to the Outlet Mall and check out some of the race cars on display, some awesome-looking vehicles, and two of the drivers that have their cars on display had a chance to catch up with them. And one of them is sportsman driver Dave DiPietro, who uh, had a great year last year, uh, winning at both Ranceville and Merrittville, and ran a lot of races uh, with, with so much uh, competition in the sports division in, in New York State in general, where they can draw upwards of 80 cars for an event, and I'm not that's not hyperbole. They draw 80 cars for some sp- sportsman events at dirt tracks in central New York. Uh, with such a competitive class, uh, Dave has done a great job standing out, one of the top drivers in the Niagara region, especially for ones that travel to other areas of the uh, dirt car region. So here is a, a chance to catch up with Dave DiPietro here on Fast Track. Well, Dave... Uh Last year, a breakout year for you with the sportsman at the at Ranceville and everywhere you went with the car. Just real quick, just kind of put a, a exclamation point on 2018 for us before we head into the new year. Well, I mean, it pretty well exceeded our expectations. We started out slow, had blew a motor and had some bad luck, and then things really took off. Um, we won out all night at Ransomville, uh, won back-to-back at Merrittville, one of them being an ROC race, and then finished it off with the King of the Hill slash BEI Series race, which Ray McIver used to sponsor, so that one meant a whole lot to me um, and hopefully we can just keep keep the momentum rolling from the end of last year you know what's your schedule looking like for this season uh ranceville weekly Merrittville part-time not full-time like i've been and we're gonna do some traveling on saturdays yeah there's a lot for sportsman guys to do i mean there's like three four series uh how do you how do you decide which series do you like running with uh, well, I mean, it, it is hard to pass up some of those bigger races, as that's part of the decision for Merrittville. Um, we just hit as many races as we can make, man. I run ballpark about 50 to 60 a year. It'd be more than that if it weren't for rainouts. And we, 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 we race as much as we can, you know. Um, most of the series locally do a pretty good job. You know, I don't dislike too many of them. Um, I try and support as many of them as I can. Um, some of the series conflict date-wise. And some of them conflict with Ransomville's schedule. Yeah. And that's my primary goal this year is I just, I'm focusing solely on Ransomville for points. The goal is to come out of here with the title. I mean, that's always the goal. But we're really focusing on that this year. And everything else will just kind of fall as we see fit, you know. The weekly division at Ransville, it's its always so competitive. I mean, there's so many top guys, the Brett Senex, uh, you know, the uh, the James Henrys, a lot of great guys run the division. It's, and on top of that, you've got handicapping, and it seems like it's so hard. To, you can be good, but it's hard to be consistently good with handicapping. Oh, yeah. I mean, consistency, like you just said, Brett, all year, consistent top fives, and that's how he got that title. Yep. You know, I mean, he was always right towards the front, always running strong, never wrecked out of many, if any, races. And it's uh, to put a whole season together, start to finish, is tough. Like I said, our second half of the year, we were really strong, but we struggled out of the gate with some unfortunate, some unforeseen circumstances and a couple wrecks. You know what I mean? It's just all part of the beast and the handicap. 
That makes it interesting, honestly. I don't mind the handicap because you really got to drive. You know what I mean? You're not usually gonna walk out and start up front. You you gotta come through the pack if you're gonna have a good season. You know. What's new? What's uh, different for 2019? Tell us about the car you're bringing out this year and new sponsors. What what's got, what do you got going on for this year? Um, the, well, we're back to the Exxon Red, the gypsum red, if you will, the real bright one. Uh, the car's got that on it again this year, which I did ran in 2017. Um, sponsors, all of our sponsors returned from last year. Uh, Jerry Grado Motors, Tim Hortons, Buffalo Grand and Marble, Wilco Auto Care, Rob's Lawn Care, um, DMS Powder Coating. So we're very thankful for all of them. A lot of them stepped up even bigger than before. And, uh, you know, that all helps, especially racing as many races as we do. Um, we're trying to put together a second car. It's, well, the one in the mall is the second car. The, the one at the shop that my dad's there working on right now while I'm here <laughs> is the one I'm supposed to be racing next weekend. Okay. Um, that one is still, that's the car I ran all last year. Mm. That frame is still the primary car this season. We will be swapping bodies probably after the first or second week of Ransomville because <laughs> we all know how that tends to go. <laughs> yeah, you got to get, yeah, get through the early season. But, well, Dave, I, I really took notice of your performance last year. I thought you did a phenomenal job. You do a great job wherever you go, and especially when you travel and, and support show. Ransomville's got a great fleet of drivers in the sports class. Best of luck this year. I appreciate it. Well, there's always a lot of good cars at Ransomville, and uh, I think no matter where we go, usually the Ransomville boys do pretty good. So I'm proud to carry that flag wherever we go and hopefully do proud, you know. There's Dave DiPietro again, catching up with him last night at the Outlet Mall in Niagara Falls during the Ranceville Speedway car show, and uh, he had a fine-looking fine vehicle there on display, the number 68 uh, Sportsman Modified that he campaigns weekly at Ranceville. Another driver we had a chance to catch up with, a uh, driver in the Modified division. He's been in the division now for a couple seasons, he's picked up some wins. It's Jesse Cotras. Jesse, the Modified division at Ranceville, it's, it's definitely, it's a lot of, Quality, maybe not the quantity it used to be, but still that weekly field on Friday nights is very stout, and, and you're going to be in the mix once again this year. Yeah, you, that's exactly how I would put it, is you look at that, that roster of the Modified Division, and when I was a sportsman always looking to go into Modifieds, I'd always see the names on there, and I, it's such a, a top-notch class that it, it, was, it was tough to even think going there. And, and still, when I'm out there, it's what's great about it is that you're running with the best guys, so... I don't feel that bad when you're getting passed by these guys because they're so good, but you're learning, you know, you're learning with good drivers. You know, I'd rather drive with good drivers all the time and then uh, you're going to learn a lot more, but it is a, a stacked field for sure. I find it, there, it seems like there's two different kinds of modified races Friday nights. It's either the race goes caution free and the guy who starts up front, Fortunately for him, and maybe unfortunately for the rest of us, is he kind of takes off, and he, because they're all so very competitive, so the guy, the fast guy up front, kind of dominates. But then, if you get a few cautions, it keeps everybody grouped together, and he, then some guys get to come to the front. But it, it seems like it's hard to predict a strategy on a Friday night. Yeah, it's it. I, I don't. It's tough to say. It depends on the track lately. Um, I we had a lot of uh, caution-free races last year. Actually, uh, I thought it was really a good racing, but. Uh, as far as me and the position I'm at racing there in a modified, I don't mind the cautions unless you're leading. Right. And we had that happen to us, right? Yeah. But uh, it's good to try to get them to regroup because some of these guys, they check out. You kind of want it to regroup, and that way you feel like you got You can learn more, too, if you had a restarts. These guys, they really teach you a lot on restarts. Uh, it's uh, definitely... Uh, a big jump watching these guys from the grandstands or from the pits and then racing next to them is the stuff that they do is amazing 
Uh, I think a couple seasons down the Modifieds, you've had some ups, you've had some downs. What have you learned most since making the switch to Modifieds? Well, in the Modifieds, I learned you can't skip a beat, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, it's a lot of homework. It really is. If you don't have everything right with the car, um, I feel that, you know, a lot of the races are won in your shop. And then if things go wrong, you got to be prepared. You know, you got to have consistent finishes. But we've had ups and downs where, uh, you know, we've had we've had wrecks and DNFs. But for the most part, we're just trying to finish races. You know, if you can finish the races in a modified, I feel that that's that's a good that's a good season for you, right? Now we got we got a couple wins in modifieds. Which if I'm pulling, you know, a one a win a year in a modified at least. I'm, I'm really happy with that. And I didn't expect to get any of that, really. I just just trying to get into a modified mm. and just kind of just fit in. So I'm still there. I still just want to fit in with the modifieds because if you look at the names in that class, you start thinking about how many races they've won and how many champions are in that class. Yep. So there's always respect for the guys in that class. What's uh, new and exciting with the 55C team? I saw the car here in the mall. It looks phenomenal. What's, what, what's new? What are some of the sponsors on the car? Uh, well, we got we've got my uh, everyone that's been on board with me for, geez, what are we going on? Eleven years. Uh, All Metalworks, um, Investor Service, uh, Jay's Auto, HFI, um, uh, Lawson Motorsports. Uh, we got we got a really good crew and a really good team. My guys are still going. I'm really beating them up too. We got we got a, we got two cars. We got uh, one with a W16 and we got one with a 358. And uh, the blue one that's here has got the spec motor in it, or the 358, I'm sorry, the W16 motor in it. But uh, we're still working on the other car. The other car has got a little bit to go, but uh, we're going we're gonna to be at uh, Test and Tune for Merrillville. And then uh, we'll do Ranceville's Test and Tune, and we're going to be every Friday at Ranceville this year. With the spec motor, uh, is that just, just kind of keeping up with, with all the big guys to, to make that switch, or do you prefer running the spec versus the 358? What's your thoughts on that? You know, it's that is uh, that's the million dollar question. It really is. I mean, you look at uh, like Pete McNall last year. He came there with his his W16 at the end of the year and he did really good with it. Um, he's got wins on it, and you look all around the the area with people with a lot of wins on it. Every win I've had to modify is on a W16. Um, we took a 358 out at the end of the year, and I did. I liked it, but I didn't win any races with it yet. So um, you got a you got a 50 pound weight difference. Um, but you got a horsepower difference too, so it's it's you got to have the best of both worlds. Do you want the horsepower when it's hammered down, or do you want less horsepower and a little bit more control of the W16 when it slicks up when it actually counts to win, right? So it's it's bittersweet. Do you want to go to the front with horsepower and heat race, or do you want to have control when it's slick later in the night? Jesse Koch is great catching up with you. We'll see you at the track very soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Jesse Koch is one of the modified drivers Friday nights at the Big R Ranceville Speedway and. Good to catch up with him and Dave DiPietro and, and lots of other great Ransomville people I had a chance to see for the first time since the end of last season. So uh, that is, again, going on today. If you're looking for something to do, next Saturday, Merrittville Speedway's got a practice session. Uh, they'll go on track about 6 o'clock if you're just looking to see race cars in person and not have to go too far. Merrittville's got a practice tomorrow. And then uh, Ransomville's first on track is the uh, Friday, April 26th with uh, Test and Tune and Qualifying Night. So Getting closer. We're on the right calendar month now. Now he's got to wait a few more weeks, and 
Hopefully the weather kind of stays like it is how it is right now for these first few weeks of the racing season. We come back, we'll uh, wrap up this edition of Fast Track and uh, time for some phone calls. Phone calls haven't had any yet today because we've been kind of on a soapbox and talking to people this morning. So uh, if you want to jump in anything we've been talking about, 803-0551-888-550-2550. We wrap up this edition of Fast Track here on WGR. Hi, this is Tanner Berryhill driver of the Obica Racing number 97. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Who? I think I've heard of him. <laughs> you know who Tanner Berryhall is? No. I think, well, I've heard the name. He's not racing today, though. Wow. Mike, what is, is this a theme song? It is. Whose is this? I doubt you'll get it, but no. you can give it a shot. I have no idea. Who is it? Taka Michinoku. Oh, Kai and Tai. Okay. That's right. I like Taka and ECW. Um but that's about all I remember. And, and Chop Chop is, you know what, that's, that's all I remember from Kai Tai. But Ta- yeah, part of that. Taco was great in ECW. I was a huge ECW mark when I 20 years ago when I was in high school. And uh, going to see their shows at Burt Flickinger Center. WrestleManias today, too. Like I said, it's a great it, National Beer Day, a day full of racing, WrestleMania. I mean, it, this day was for me, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so lots to, to watch uh, on TV. I, I enjoyed Howard picking WrestleMania. I know I, I feel bad. I met, I was on with Howard Friday, and I threw in there right at the end, are you going to pick WrestleMania? And he did, and I missed it, and I kind of felt like a jerk because I didn't know that he did it already. So, But I'm glad he did and uh, uh, enjoyed uh, some of Howard's takes, and I'm sure we'll have some more tomorrow morning with Howard and Jeremy. Uh, busy day tomorrow with uh, the Sabres and Locker Cleanout Day, so keep it locked here to WGR. Tomorrow for all the latest news out of uh, KeyBank Center. Uh, and then once the Sabres move out, turn the attention to the, the Frozen Four is uh, next weekend here in Buffalo. Lots of cool stuff planned with that I saw. Uh, Thursday with the first two games. Friday with the Hobie Baker. And then Saturday with the championship game. And there's some fun uh, fan stuff planned. So that's going on next weekend too. And uh, I'll be I'll be there at some point during the weekend doing some work uh, for another program. Uh, but... So lots of cool stuff going down at the arena. And then finally, the Bandits will be back here on April 20th. It, I hate this like month off between home games. I, I know we had the game Friday, and it was a tough overtime loss, but a uh, good game regard, uh, regardless of the outcome. Still an entertaining game lacrosse, but I hate this month off between home games for the Bandits. So uh, looking forward to the Bandits getting back April 20th. Uh, you know, get your tickets now. Help support the Bandits in their run to the postseason. Playoff spot is clinched. Now we just got to get some home games for the postseason for the Bandits. Uh, quickly, uh, again, the NASCAR Modifieds, they're at Thompson today for the icebreaker. Qualifying is not until 245, so no starting lineup to run through. But uh, that's at 245. The race is at 345, and all of that is uh, streaming live for free on fanschoice.tv. Um in fact, uh, I think everything at Thompson is going to be on Fans Choice. So if you just need another screen to look at today, you could flip that on. And I think all the icebreaker features are on Fans Choice. But the NASCAR Modifieds are at 345. Patrick Emerling is there. Uh, the Catalano brothers are there uh, representing our region. And uh, Pat uh, has had a pretty good start, some bad qualifying, but have turned into top 10 and top five finishes. He's actually fourth in points coming into today after the first two races down south. He's six points behind Doug Kobe, who leads the standings. Uh, Doug Kobe, then Jimmy Blewett's one point back. Burt Myers, five points back. And then you got uh, Pat Emerling and Chris Pastriak, uh, six points out there in the top five. Fortunately, Tommy and Timmy Catalano have had some struggles this year. Tommy's had some good qualifying runs, but Timmy is 17th in points, and Tommy is 26th. Unfortunately, they've had some bad luck come race day, but some still some strong efforts, and Tommy has led some laps here at the start of this season. So that's at uh, 345 this afternoon. Also, uh, Kyle Wyman, who we had on the show a couple weeks back, won the Daytona 200 Superbike race. His season started this weekend for the uh, Moto America Superbikes, 
and uh, they're at Road Atlanta. And they, I, I think every race weekend's like a doubleheader, so they run a race Saturday and a race Sunday. Well, they ran one race yesterday. He finished sixth, and then they're back at it today at Road Atlanta. So just uh, uh, our caller, uh, Chris, I think it was, that uh, called in a couple of weeks ago to bring Kyle to our attention, uh, checked in and said, don't forget Kyle racing this weekend at Road Atlanta and uh, had to check on the results, and he finished sixth on his Ducati there yesterday, and he's back at it today as well, too. So we'll kind of keep track of Kyle's progress throughout the season. Uh, real quick, Gary in the Falls, you're on with Fast Track. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, just uh, a lot of rumors going around about Lancaster Speedway still. Just uh, not looking for you to spread another one, but is there anything at all that you hear? Is there any any chance at all that they'll even run one race this year? Uh, I've heard that. Yeah, uh, Gary, to be honest, no. I've not heard anything. Uh, it's kind of at a stalemate. I mean, y- there's been two sides to the story. There's been, you know, Paul Cambria and w- what he's been saying and his offers, and Gordon Rieger, the owner of the property, saying he's not had an offer up to his, you know, up, up, up to his liking, up to his asking price. So uh, until someone comes along and I guess offers whatever that asking price is, we're unfortunately at a stalemate and I don't, you know, I don't have any inside information. I really, I, I, I'm the last person you want to ask because I don't hear any of these rumors. So I apologize, but uh, you, you know, never say never. It's while look a full, a full season does not look good. Um, it's, it's still only April. There's still a chance we could see some racing there at this point, but with who, who would be putting on that race? I have no idea at this point, Gary. Yeah, uh, it's just sad. It's a very sad day for racing. That thing, uh, if that ship goes down, I'd hate to see it. A lot of great tradition there, but, you know, we had the same thing at Syracuse, and we all know what happened there. Exactly, yeah. Luckily, yeah, thank you for the phone call, Kerry. Luckily, uh, you know, the place isn't getting torn down like the, the fairgrounds of Syracuse. Uh, but, yeah, right now there is uh, not a plan that I'm aware of. So uh, if, you, if anybody's got whatever that asking price is laying around or if somebody wins the lottery in the next couple of weeks, you know, help us out. Uh, unfortunately, just got to continue to have good hopes. Stay positive, I think, is the most important thing right now, especially on social media. Please try and stay positive about the situation. Do not attack people. Uh, do not spread rumors. And just try and keep a, a good attitude, as sad and depressing as it may be. And believe me, it is for me uh, and a lot of people that have been tied to that place for a long time. Uh, please try and keep it positive in social media. Do not do not discourage people from getting involved because they see a bunch of negative people on social media complaining about it. It's not a situation they would want to go in, you know, seeing that. So I just urge everyone to, to try and stay positive, at least publicly, uh, while th- that deal continues to sort itself out. And hopefully when there is some news, we'll talk about it. So uh, I guess that is my, uh, my standpoint there. So hopefully something at some point this season, never say never. But uh, yeah, there are no plans currently. But again, I think the most important thing is uh, people need to stay positive, not spread rumors, and not become an angry mob on social media because that will just discourage people from getting involved when they see how people can get. Thank you. That's my second soapbox rant of this show. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of Fast Track here on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.